Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. as John Cross from the podcast from the After Movie Diner. Or you may not know him at all. But now you can know him as Miscellaneous Plumbing Fixtures with the release of his new album, Catch Up or Don't, See If I Care. Available now on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever music is found. A full 16 new folk, blues, and rock tracks from this bearded singer-songwriter. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and at aftermoviediner.com. For links to the album and to learn more, go to miskplumbingfixtures.blogspot.com or miskplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Direct-to-Video Connoisseur. I'm Matt, and as always, I'm joined by Jamie. Jamie, how are you tonight? I am doing okay. Ready to jump into another discussion. I know, and this one might prove to be a lively one here. So um, before we get started, I just want to mention um, uh, John from uh, After Movie Diner, and I uh, used to have a show, Crosstalk, here on the same night as us, but a uh, great guy, um, the one who did our theme song that you hear every week. Um, he sent out a trailer for his, uh, new, um, his new project. I think it was uh, something plumbing fixtures. I, I wish I could have... Uh, I see the word in there, too, MFP trailer. Um, but uh, he, he's doing a new, um, a new venture, and he sent us a trailer for it, and I was like, you know what, let me just put it in there right after the DTV connoisseur theme that he was so uh, kind to make for us. So uh, check out what he's got going on there. I'm going to put the links up on the uh, Facebook to where you can get uh, his stuff, um, his, his music, and his after-movie diner. Yeah, uh, by the way, the name of the the name is Miscellaneous Plumbing. That's Features. what it was. Okay. And, then, yeah. <laughs> and that's good stuff. It's good music. Yeah, I've heard some of it and I I, I, I thought it was good. I endorse it personally. Now, did he used to do it on the Crosstalk show, right? He used to play some of it on there? Uh he did uh he did play some of it on the music show that he did mm. after hours, but on Crosstalk I don't recall him ever. He might have played one or two. He tried to focus mainly on other people's music on Crosstalk, but I think he may have played a couple of those songs. That's but, right. Um, uh, you can find them on the internet. Totally worth it. Good stuff. He's a talented young man. 
Yes, definitely. Yeah, and I, I feel bad about that. I was thinking multi-purpose plumbing fixtures. I'm like, that doesn't sound right, you know? Yeah, miscellaneous. Miscellaneous plumbing fixtures. Multi-purposes, <laughs> yeah. Multi yeah I, Multi I know. I, <laughs> I knew it was something along those lines. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Do you want to jump right into our film this week, or is there anything uh, you wanted to touch on beforehand? Um, well, haven't really had a whole lot going on lately, so, you know, I guess that's what we're here for. Yeah, I, the only thing I could think of is that we, um, our last week was our first week, um, you know, back, uh, doing the podcast live, and, uh, we, we, our numbers kind of bumped right back up to where they were, so, you know, again, thank you all for listening, uh, we love, uh, everybody that listens in um you know also too if you check us out on either facebook or twitter um don't hesitate to uh drop us a line if you uh like what we're doing uh have a film you want us to check out because we're pretty pretty loose i'd say wouldn't you think about what we're picking for films yeah um we definitely don't have a particular genre that we stick to and um we've been known to even throw in a couple of studio releases you know in lieu of direct to video Mm -hmm. fodder so you know we're i guess you know we can and especially if there is a request i don't see any reason why we couldn't happily do that yeah i mean if it's you know we'll, you know we'll of course discuss it ahead of time if you're if you request something that we're both kind of like no you know we don't want to do tyler pa perry's i can do bad all by myself you know or, or whatever it is we decide we don't want to do um you know we don't want to do uh what was the one i was thinking of at the top of my head uh Valentine's Day is that the one? Is that what it was called? The the romantic comedy, the ensemble, romantic comedy. Yes. Yes, I was like yes. If it's something like that, we'll probably say no. But um, but uh, you know, it seems like every week you and I we kind of were just like, hmm, what do we want to do this day? You know, like sometimes we have a good number in advance, and sometimes we're just like flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah, which is the only way to fly. I was gonna say that's the best way to fly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, to quote. Uh, Brian Austin Green as um, his character David Silva, uh, uh, David Silver. On um, uh, did, did my accent just pop out <laughs> there a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So so David Silva on uh, 90210. Uh, one of my favorite lines he ever had on the show there, when he said, "Yeah, I might be white, but I'm not vanilla." <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to uh, we're going to pop our codeine pills and we're going to let our half sister get lost at the playground while we cheat on Donna. And get into this film here, Don't Blink, which uh, stars Dave, uh, Brian Austin Green and supposedly stars Mina Suvari, uh, sort of, kind of. You're a misser. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, Jamie, overall thoughts on Don't Blink? Well, I have to say that um, it ended up, I, I was pleasantly surprised throughout the majority of the film. It ended up being a lot better than I anticipated that it would be. Mm hmm only then to be severely let down by the end. Mm -hmm. um, I was just like, damn! Uh, because I thought that they did some very clever things. There were a couple of times when I was like, wow, that looks, you know, that's not bad. It was almost like a real movie, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it, <laughs> it, it, you know, it had the feel of a good, solid film. The, portray the performances weren't bad. I thought that um, uh, Scott Farkas was, uh, he was a little over the top at times. <laughs> Yes. When he went a little crazy. Mm -hmm. But overall, I thought the performances were good. It looked great. I loved the setting. That cabin was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, there, they did a couple of nice camera tricks. And, and they didn't always do exactly what I anticipated they were going to do, which is a good thing. Yeah. 
and then we get to the end and I was disappointed um, mainly because I I guess I wanted a little bit more mm-hmm. yeah so, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on the uh, the ending I thought the ending was I don't want to say it was a cop-out um, it was kind of a cool ending but I think overall it was it was a little easy um, and the other thing I want to say is that um, for me I have what I call my 20-minute rule with a film and see I don't know if this film did or didn't um, make it in the 20 minute rule but my my 20 minute rule is you, you've got to do something within the first 20 minutes something has to happen and um, it, we, we almost got there when uh, the one character goes to check on his girlfriend in the bathroom and we think she disappeared but it turned out she just threw up on her shoes and left her shoes in the toilet in the bathroom stall um, and so we never we, we don't really quite get to our first plot point until I would say when um, excuse me, when Mina Savari disappears. And that's almost a half hour in. Well, that's a good point. The, the very beginning of this film, you can almost chop it off and throw it away. Mm-hmm. You know, the, whole, the traveling part. Because there's really nothing of any consequence that goes on while they're in the car. Mm-hmm. and Or cars. And um, during that whole sequence they almost lost me yeah completely because i was having a conversation i was i was distracted by other things and then i was like oh shit i'm supposed to be watching this movie so (laughs) (laughs) i actually when they got to the place is when i really zoned in and started paying attention and even then like you said it was still a little while before anything really happened i did think that was a funny scene though in the bathroom where you know she then comes back in and and he's like all startled to see her and she's like what did you think and he's like i thought you melted (laughs) when it was her vomit on the floor um he thought that it was you know the remains of her after she had melted or something which i thought was kind of funny but um yeah you're right it just it's a very slow starter Mm -hmm. it is and then but once it gets going you know it it held my attention yeah, you know, it, it did, I guess for my money, um, the concept of this all worked. I I thought it would have been perfect either, um, you know, like in a short story format, I think it would have been a great, like, short story for, like, a, a horror anthology, or, you know, something like what, uh, what you're saying, how Brian, you know, has those, you know, nice horror anthologies, and, you know, that, that seems like a... Yeah, like the, the episodic. Yeah. More of like a 26-minute... Thing. Right. Well, so I was thinking a Tales from the Crypt episode, Twilight Zone, Hitchhiker, something like that. Um, it would have been perfect for that um, format. And I think the actors you had in it, you know, uh, Scott Farkas, as you mentioned, Brian Austin Green, <laughs> Mini Suvari. I don't know his real name. I've never known his real name. I know he has one. It is. It, I, I wrote it down, actually. <laughs> I wrote it down. It's Zach Ward. That's it. Yeah, Zach Ward. That's it. <laughs> yes. I even saw it when, when the credits rolled last night. I even said to myself, that's his name. Scott, and then... Yes. It fell right out of my head again. Yeah, no, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Jen Jen um, didn't watch this one, but she did come into the room um, to, to grab a bite to eat while I was uh, midway through it when, uh, when Mr. Farkas was having his crazy moment. <laughs> and um, she was like, she was like, ooh, ooh, what's that? You know, and she, she commented the blood looked like a good shade of lipstick, that the color of it. Um, uh, now, I don't know if that might have been our TV coloring, but she said it, that, that kind of, I guess it had a kind of a... Um, a burgundy, perhaps, or you know, a rich, a rich. Uh, it looked almost like the uh, the the cab salve that she'd poured a glass of. Um, oh. Yeah, so it had a, a nice rich hue to it. When um when Scott was dragging Noah, uh, whoever uh, Noah out the door, which I thought was a weird turn. You yes. Know, um, you know, I get that he was a little unhinged by this <laughs> whole thing, but to me, if you have a series of people 
that start disappearing. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea where they're going or what's happening to them. This yes. is... Um, oh, and uh, you know what? Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, I guess we should tell them what the idea is behind this. Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> this group of friends show up at this cabin. They they go. They're going to stay at this cabin mm-hmm. on vacation. And um, when they get there, there's no one there. Right. Uh, but there's food left on the table. Cars are left. Um, like one of a, there was a one like mid pump at the gas <laughs> pump. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like people just disappeared, and then they discover that there are no animals, there are no bird sounds, there are no bugs, which I think, incidentally, the the discovering there are no bugs scene was, one, a little long, mm-hmm. and um, two, it's like, well, I looked under this rock, and there are no bugs, so there are no bugs anywhere. <laughs> yes. it, was just, it was a little bit, you know, I turned over the one rock, yes. there were no bugs. It's definitive. There are no bugs anywhere yes no bugs under this rock and i was going to say anybody who's had a nephew that you've taken outside into a a rural space or anybody that's been a child i guess in general and looked under rocks knows that not every rock has bugs you you sometimes have to go searching for them well she's a scientist oh even better that's right don't dispute her she used the word pupa that's right she did Um, But um, so people start uh, then their friends start disappearing Mm -hmm. when no one's looking at them. Right. When, you know, if if you turn away from them, then you turn back and they're gone, which I thought was pretty clever. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, you've got this series of people. If you have these friends of yours who are disappearing and you don't know where they're going and you don't know what's happening to them, one of them just shows back up out of nowhere. Mm hmm. I don't think that my first reaction is going to be to beat him to a bloody pulp right. and shoot him and then drag him back outside to be left to be taken again by whatever it was. I don't really buy that reaction. Even if he was the biggest creep fest ever, um, I'm, I'm agreeing with you there. Not only – see, I had a few problems with that part of the film because first off, we get Brian Austin Green with his ex because Mina Savari plays his wife, right, or girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Mina Suvari disappears right away, and then his um, Noah, the character of Noah, is his uh, Brian Austin Green's ex's new uh, husband or or boyfriend or whatever. So with each with him and his ex's um, uh, current partners disappeared, the two of them decide they're going to have a love scene. I guess it would stress sex. I'm not sure. Um, you know. That's, I guess, kind of what it is, although yeah. I didn't necessarily... I mean, I guess maybe if you have a history with a person and you're in a stressful situation, maybe I could buy it. Yeah. It seems a little bit difficult for me, though, because he was on the verge of proposing to Mina Exactly. Savari. He knew that she was pregnant with his child. Yes. And that, you know, he had just... Like, his reaction when she disappeared, it was clear that he cared about her. And then, That's you know, right. what was it, 15, 17 minutes later, he's in the sack with They're his ex? Yeah. You know, like I, I understand stress sex. Like I get that. You know, um, I'm one of the people who never blamed Lori for in, in The Walking Dead because mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that in situations like that, you know, I mean, whatever. We're human beings. Right. You know, but to me, it just seemed a little bit fast. And then I swear to God, I thought he was gonna nail the chick at the end too. I agree. <laughs> I agree with the whole I ring was thing. Just waiting for that moment for them yes. to just dive into an embrace when she's talking about how I was never popular. Mm-hmm. No one ever liked me. That's right. I didn't have any boyfriends. And I'm like, well, here we go. And I, I just knew when she said, I don't want to die, I thought she was going to say, I don't want to die a virgin. And then yes. he was going to just like, well, we'll fix that. Yeah. As it turns out, even at the end of the film, she is still the last one picked. <laughs> yes. She's the last girl, right? The final girl. No one wants her. Oh, I know. They. Just... <laughs> it was so sad. Yeah. 
Um, yep. But yeah, there are a couple of, of <laughs> uh, character turns that I don't necessarily buy happening as quickly as they did or like they would like the Scott Farkas thing, like the jumping in bed with your ex thing. You know, I think it was if it had been a couple of days, you know, mm-hmm. I can see that happening. I don't see it happening. It's like, well, it's crossed the half hour mark. You know, my morning period is over. Yes. Well, I know. And that was the thing is it was like it, it, it kind of was a double for me. It was like one of those things where, you know, first off, the movie had already broken my 20 minute rule. And I had kind of forgiven it a little bit. I was on the road to forgiving it. Um, and here we are at the hour mark, and now we have just jammed a lovemaking scene in the film, and then the Scott Fark, Scott Fark, or Scott Farkas. What is he? We we, we say he's torturing the uh, Noah character. He's he's. I don't know what he's doing. He's he's almost there. I mean, he's yeah. pretty pretty damned close to torture. It's the we will refer to it as the Scott Farkas fracas. The Scott exactly. Well, it takes a while for it to even become a fracas, right? Because he's just like, you know, what do you mean, man? What I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? You know, how'd you get back here? I don't know what you're talking about. I know I'm dude you guy. Why are you putting a gun in my face? Why do you, you know? And it's like, come on, Scott, if you're going to shoot him, shoot him already and just, you know, cuz while at the same time he was, you know, eventually torturing Noah by shooting him and hitting or whatever. Um, he was torturing us by taking so long to get there. Um, so <laughs> he was very repetitive. Yeah, and he said the same things over and over again. Yes, and so that just—it was the wrong time of the film to do those you know, things. The definition of repetitive. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> was, exactly. <laughs> you know, I missed that. Learns words. <laughs> That'll be a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, sorry, no, but you, you I, it was, you know, I, I think I was, I was with you in the film. I was, you know, like there were a lot of things that I really liked about the film, and and the first one was the fact that okay, you get all these people here, um, in this place, and, um, you know, I've been in that situation with the gas thing. Um, my friend Mark and I, we went to go hike uh, Mount Katahdin. It's the highest peak in Maine. It's it's way up there. It's like four and a half hours up there. Um. You know, you pass towns that don't have names. They just have letters and numbers uh, to designate them. Um, And he didn't get enough gas before we went into the main park, Baxter State Park. And so we were going to do two peaks. We were going to do Mount Katahdin the first day, and then the next day this other one um, way up in the uh, uh, northern part of the park, uh, North Brother. And he realized he hadn't gotten enough gas. Like, we should have gotten gas before we went into the park, but we were late getting up there the day before. We needed to hike before it was dark. We actually were hiking too late as it was. They, um, Baxter State Park has a cutoff for how late you can hike Mount Katahdin, and we snuck up there. Uh, we lied and said we were just going on a nature thing and actually went and did, did both peaks of the thing and came back in the dark with our headlamps, um, which they weren't happy about. But they... A little slide, but um. Anyway, the next day it was snowing out. We're in Mark's car, and we realized, like, luckily this time, you know, he's got the thing on his on his uh, uh, on his uh, dashboard telling him uh, how much gas or how many how many miles he has left. And it was just like, man, if we go all the way up there and hike and get back, we might not. We don't know where the next gas is out of the park. We couldn't remember when it was. And uh, there actually was a place when you just get outside that had those same kind of pumps with the dials. Um, you know, and all of that. But, you know, you, you, you've seen that situation before. I know that situation. Um, and then the other one, of course, the fact that Mina Savari disappears, right? You, you don't want to leave someone behind at 300 miles in the middle of nowhere. Um, right, that sort of puts a... Um, that sort of then limits your possibilities. Because <clears throat> as long as you had your party intact, 
you mm-hmm. had the option to leave or stay. Mm-hmm. But the moment that someone goes missing, unless you know that they're like, you know, they've fallen off a cliff and they're right. dead or, you know, they've gotten their head chopped off or I mean, unless you know for a fact that they're dead, I don't see leaving them. You know, I, I can't in good conscience go, well, they're not in my they're not in my eyesight, so uh in my line of sight, so we're out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I and I I do like his response to that, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, Farkas was, he was ready to go. He yes. was like, yeah, we're getting the fuck out of here. Um, but, of course, it's not his girlfriend that right. was missing. Uh, but Brian Austin Green did get really angry mm-hmm. for, a, <laughs> for a minute there. So, and I thought that was, yeah, okay, that's a believable reaction and a believable situation. Mm-hmm. Also, I, um, while we're mentioning the situations, they did, they did of course, the which today every film has to have the obligatory, why can't we use our cell phones? Yes. Um, and, of course, they're going through, and he's like, you know, he just flat out says, does anyone have cell phone signal? Right. Most people say no. One person said I left mine at home, which I can also buy. If you're going for a weekend away and you're with a group of people and you mm-hmm. know that the majority of them will have their phones, if you don't plan on using it, I can see leaving it behind. Mm-hmm. You know, I can... And I actually leave without, since I'm here with Brian now, I leave without my phone frequently. Mm-hmm. And um, he's all the time, you don't have your phone? I'm like, no, I left it home. I don't, I just, I've got him. He's there with me, you know, and I just don't think about it. I walk out the door without it. I can see that happening. And then, um, you know, Herb, the ex's new boyfriend, and he's like, I don't even own a phone. Oh, okay. I love Brian's response when he goes. Okay, what he, yeah, what, what did Brian say? <laughs> he goes, okay, that's normal. Right. Oh, no, Brian Austin Green. Oh, I thought you're a bride. Yes. Green, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because because my thing about that when I heard the the you know the don't own a phone guy, um, I have always had a thing with the whole don't own a phone guy. Now now that we're in like 2015, 2014, um, it's much less frequent. But do you remember when cell phones first came out and there was the whole I don't want to always be available excuse for not getting a cell phone? I don't want people bothering me. Right. And yeah. my response to that was always, okay, so you do not want to make your life easier because you don't like the idea of pressing an off button. <laughs> it, it's never, you know, have you seen Seinfeld? Do you remember the movie theater episode of Seinfeld where they couldn't find each other? They kept missing each other. Uh, you know, Kramer described Elaine as having a face like a frying pan. None of this happens if people have cell phones. And all of those people, if they didn't want to be available after the movie theater night, all they've got to do is press that off button, and they are no longer available to everybody. They are officially done. That's it. It's true. Uh, well, you know, I have issues with those. It's just like those people who, who are like, oh, I don't watch television. Mm-hmm. I don't even own a TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want, a cookie? Yes, I, uh, <laughs> exactly. Congratulations for not... <laughs> You know, dragging yourself, kicking and streaming into the next century. Mm-hmm. I, um, there was a time period when I didn't have TV, and this was not by choice. It was because living in Athens, where I was, if you didn't have cable, mm-hmm. you didn't have TV right. because you could not get reception for shit. This is before TV went digital, and you mm-hmm. could still use rabbiters, but you couldn't get reception for shit where I was living. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have cable, you just flat didn't have TV. Right, and this wasn't a a conscious I don't want to have television you know because mm-hmm. it's it's too lowbrow for me it was a you know I'm too poor 
<laughs> to afford cable TV because mm-hmm. I work at a convenience store and I'm 24 years old, so you know I don't have TV. That was my reasoning. But I did know people and still know people who are like, oh well, I just don't, I don't watch TV. Oh, shut up. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I, I'm sorry, but it doesn't get you intellectual points with me. No. Um, for you to do that. But anyway, and that's where I think of the whole, that's how I think of the phone people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, I don't even own, oh, shut up. Yeah. You know, you're going to wish you did when you're trapped on, you know, out on the interstate at three in the morning and right. you can't call a tow. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times having a phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it's it's entertaining and it's convenient and all of those things. It is a luxury. But at the same time, it has on numerous occasions saved my life. Yeah. And, um, you know, it made things a hell of a lot easier. When there was a time before cell phones, when I was locked out of my car somewhere, and I had to walk several miles to get to, and this is actually an interesting story, but I had to <laughs> walk several miles to where a friend of mine's mom used to live, and the house just happened to still be empty, and they said, well, why don't we go and see if there's a coat hanger in the closet in this empty house? <laughs> and this is how far away it was from everything. And um, I did. I walked several miles to this empty house, broke into the house, found a coat hanger hanging in the closet, went back and unlocked my car. So, so let's. If I had a cell phone, none of that shit would have gone down. Right, exactly. Let's put this in perspective (laughs) here. It is. I don't want to be available all the time, so I'm. I'm going. You know what I mean? For the people who don't own the cell phone, the I don't need to be available all the time. So this is what I'm going to do instead. If I'm in that same situation, is exactly exactly. The reason why you're saying it, having the cell phone is important. Yeah, it just it blows my mind like why you wouldn't want a tool that can help you in your everyday life just for the, the whole, like you said, I don't watch my TV or whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, and if you don't want to use your cell phone f- all the time, if you don't want to have your face buried in it for Facebook or Twitter or, you know, texting or whatever, don't. Right. Yeah. You know, you don't have to. It's not yeah. mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> Owning a phone does not require you to do those things. Right. Um, but I just think it's why not have a tool that could possibly help you in a dire situation. Yeah. And so. So I, yeah, and especially someone that age. Yes. So you you know let's let's maybe backtrack to what we were saying about the whole Noah torturing scene. Maybe we needed that scene more than we thought, and maybe by the time we got to that point in the movie, we had forgotten all about Noah, you know? No, well, you know what? It's true when he showed, and, and um, you're absolutely right about that. When he initially showed up at the door, I was like, oh, that guy, he looks familiar. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes. I really had to stop and think. Right. Who was he? Yes. even figure out who the hell he was and why he was involved with them. Mm-hmm. And because, and then, you know, during the Farkas Fracas, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's talking about how much of an ass Noah was or whatever. And I was just like, was he? Mm-hmm. And I had to really go back and, and remind myself who he even was because mm-hmm. at that point, I'd forgotten that he even existed in the film. Right. So I guess you're right. I mean, we, I guess we did need that. And maybe, you know, maybe that's what he gets for not having a cell phone. I don't Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, thinking about that, that point you just made there, I think kind of gets back to that point that, we, you know, maybe the film being a bit too big. Um, the fact that we had trouble keeping all the characters straight um, shows that there probably were more than we needed in this film. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think we would have been okay with Farkas... Uh, Mina Savari, Austin Green, 
maybe the new the uh, the ex and and Noah, and then the friend, um, the friend who ends up being the last girl. Um, you know, six people. I mean, that still seems kind of big, though, doesn't it? Well, I mean, six people, six to seven is your average slasher film right. group. You know, you go beyond that, and it just gets confusing. Yeah. You know, and it gets difficult to keep up with things. And then I know that some filmmakers are like, "Oh, the more people you have, the more you can kill off." Mm-hmm. But then you start getting into hairy territory. Um, there's um, oh, there's a movie about. It was actually the the idea was really good, but it was about this group of young girls who went into the woods for the weekend. It was like a a retreat where they had no technology. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, their parents, for various reasons, their parents sent them away um, to live with no technology for this um, outing that they were doing. And and, and they had a, a group leader. She was like a, a scout leader. And she took them all out there. And then they started getting picked off. And it was actually not a bad film. It was a really mm-hmm. good idea. It was a good solid reason why there would be no – I mean, because these days, mm-hmm. face it, that's the first thing you have to – you have to put on the checklist these days when you're making a, your basic slasher film is – you know, how do we get rid of the cell phones? Right. You know, other than that, we're just too far out to get to get signals, kind mm-hmm. of thing. I mean, anyway, this was a solid idea, and it was actually pretty brutal because these were young girls. These weren't, you know, college kids. These weren't even eighteen-year-olds. These were like mm-hmm. thirteen, fourteen-year-old girls, mm. and it was pretty brutal for them to be as young as they were. But where they stumbled is that they had about twelve girls yeah. on this trip. And it's just too much to keep track of. Yeah. You know, because you've got, like, I mean, a handy thing to do in, like, a slasher film is you don't want to stop and remember their names. You can just be like, okay, that dark-haired girl, mm-hmm. you know, the one with the blonde hair, the long <laughs> right, hair, the short exactly. hair, You can use those things to kind of remind yourself who's who. Mm-hmm. But when you have 12, 13 people in the mix, it's too difficult. Right. You know, it gets too confusing. And um, especially when, you know, they're all walking around with their hair in a ponytail mm-hmm. like these young girls were doing. So it's just like, ah! It, it um, is. But, yeah, I think this film, I do agree that there were a little bit, maybe just a couple too many people. Mm-hmm. If they had trimmed that down, it would have made it a little bit easier. Yeah, we, we can call it maybe the Dostoevsky effect, where, you know, you read a <laughs> Dostoevsky novel, there's so many people, and they have a couple different names that they go by. and um, But, you know, be, you know because for, for a Russian, seeing names that look a little bit similar, they can pick out the differences. For us, we're just like, Wait a second. That guy with the L, he's married to her with the D name. No, no, he's no, no. He that's another L who's married to a woman with another L name. Okay. I've got the t- you know, sometimes I'm going on Wikipedia going like, "Wait, why did, how did no, what this guy shouldn't be doing this right." No, because that's not him, you know. And you have that, to draw a map. Right. You know, or like a flow chart. You have to design exactly. a flow chart around Yes. Characters. Yeah, so that's a that's a new one. That's a, a new name here, the the Dostoevsky effect. Too many characters to keep track of. I like it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, so I, I was getting ready to, I mean, I had a whole thing to write about. I, like when we, my notes, you know, I started right away talking about Mina Savari. And I don't know, what are your thoughts on the whole, like, I mean, I think they, they in their mind, they felt like it would, it would uh, throw us off if Mina Savari gets picked off right away and we don't see her again. Because oh, maybe, like the Janet Lee, you know, the... Janet Lee, Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. thing, you know, where Janet Lee gets picked off in the beginning of Psycho, Drew Barrymore gets picked off in the beginning of Scream, mm-hmm. and it's like the one that you, the big name that you expect to make it to the end doesn't make it to the end. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it's been done. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, uh, originally it was 
you know, done 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not um, it's not all that jarring anymore. And honestly, these days, Mina Suvari's name doesn't have the weight that it had pre Day of the Dead remake. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, back during the um, American Beauty days, or you know, American Pie, all those American movies that she mm-hmm. did and for a while there, she wouldn't do a movie without American in the title. I swear <laughs> yes. it was her contract. Right. Um, back during those days, maybe it would have had a little bit more effect. But mm-hmm. these days, people are like Mina Savari, huh? Who? Right. And she also was a brunette, mm-hmm. which people aren't used to seeing her as. Um, which it wasn't bad. I don't think she looked bad, but um, Brian didn't know who she was at first. He was like, who is she? She looks familiar. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's Mina Suvari. He's like, but wait, isn't she blonde? And I'm like, yeah. usually, yes, she is. So um, I don't think it had, if that was what they were going for, mm-hmm. I don't really think it worked. No, I, I agree with you. I, I You know, it, in, a, in a big screen film like Scream, where you're seeing ads and you see Drew Barrymore kind of running around like she's just another character in the film, like Nev Campbell or whoever. You you see that and you go, okay, that's that you know that's Drew Barrymore. And then when she's killed off at the beginning and the way she was killed off, that was a really a, a really good um, you know slasher film killing scene there. Um, like when she's trying to talk on the phone and she can't because her throat's been cut. Um, you know, all of that scene was very powerful, and so that's doing it really well. Um, but here, you know, we're looking at a direct-to-video film with her and Brian Austin Green on the cover. We're just kind of expecting them to be dealing with whatever the situation is, and when she disappears like that, it's kind of bait-and-switch territory more than it is, um, you know, throwing us for a loop by killing off one of the main characters kind of territory. Yeah, yeah, good call. It's a, we scrambled to get the, the biggest name that we could get within our grasp, and mm-hmm. then we used her for as long as we could, and that's that's the best we could do. And that was it. You know, we had to, if we wanted to afford Brian Austin Green for the entire production, <laughs> we could only give Mina Savari 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It, um, you know, it was, you know, I, I, I think for me, um, this gets back to the ending being a little um, unfulfilling. I would have liked to have seen Mina Savari come back in some kind of form to let us know. You know, give us an idea of what is happening here instead of keeping it all mystery, you know. Well, and... You know, that's a good point, especially since we did get one person come back. Yeah. We got one person come back, and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. We don't – he has no explanation of where he was or what was going – I mean, did he actually disappear? His, I mean, he had the theory that he fell down in a ditch. I mean, right. maybe he just fell in a ditch. Do we know that he actually disappeared? I don't even remember him disappearing. So <laughs> did he actually disappear? Or did he just fall in the ditch and get knocked out? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if um, what I was supposed to glean from that. Yeah, are, are they I don't going? Think it was made very clear. I know. I was going to say, are they going with the old trope that the blonde um, is ditzy and doesn't know what's going on? Because really, it was his his wife, uh, Brian Austin Green's um, ex, who was a blonde woman, comes running out, going, "He disappeared! I don't know what happened. He disappeared!" And so, is that what they're trying to say there? Well, see, I mean, if possible then, you know what, I like it better. I do like it better if he had not disappeared. Mm-hmm. If he had just, like, gotten himself knocked out or something stupid. Yeah. And then shows up later. For them to think that he was one that had been dragged away. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he'll go through the whole Farkas Fracas. <laughs> and, um, which, by the way, I love that term. The I Farkas can't, Fracas. <laughs> I can't I say it enough. 
can you can you call the episode? Can you fit that in the episode title? Somewhere? We're we're going to when um. <laughs> the description and everything is going to be about the Farkas fracas. We're going to, uh, we yeah. discuss the far. <laughs> Jamie and I get into the Farkas fracas. What it is? Uh, um. Yes. <laughs> If that is the case, then, then think about the horror of that. You know, you have no idea what's going on. You right. have just been knocked out and in a ditch, and you wake up, and you drag your ass back to the house where everyone is. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what's happening. You get dragged inside. Scott Farkas tortures you, then shoots you, then drags you back outside, only for you to then disappear. Exactly. That's pretty horrible. Yeah. If that was the intent, I like that. Mm-hmm. I just wish it had been made a little bit more clear. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever definitively... I mean, that's his theory, that he thought he was in a ditch or something. But they don't ever really for sure say. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, they didn't, right? I mean, I didn't miss that. No, no, they never... The, the, the closest thing we get to any kind of explanations, we actually see... Uh, David Silver. I, I should. I, I want to keep calling him David Silver just so because I. I don't want to get him confused with your Brian. Um, oh, we're ta- yeah. Yes, make it easier. But no. But uh, but it, but I was thinking like he's the only one we actually see disappear. Right. We actually see him vanish while he's next to the final girl. Well, we see um, his ex. We see the sheet. Uh, like when he rolls over, the sheet actually falls as we're looking. As we, as the camera pans over to look at it. You sort of see the sheet collapse. I mm-hmm. think that's the closest, the next closest that we come to right. actually seeing someone disappear. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a you know, you know I, I don't you know this is this kind of got me on some you know I it, it was I don't you know one thing I was I was curious about too because like you said we don't we, we only really see maybe we see Brian Austin Green but really everybody is getting to a point where they're actually coming as close to seeing people disappear as you can get because you know when you have the refrigerator door open and you close it and somebody isn't there anymore like that's a that was a good one i liked that that was a but you know i think that's where i saw it coming right but i i I, but because i saw it coming i was looking i took a i took the time to watch what everyone was doing mm-hmm. i noticed that brian austin green was looking off in another direction of course the girl making sandwiches was making sandwiches and the girl mm-hmm. that was in the refrigerator was in the refrigerator so mm-hmm. everyone was looking away and then when i noticed that i was like she's not going to be there when they close the door mm-hmm. and of course she wasn't but i was like you know what i like it though it was nice it was smooth mm-hmm. um it it worked mm-hmm. you know i also like the one where they were in bed the one I was just referring to were the sheet because the camera pans down past you can no longer see her in bed next to Brian Austin Green you can mm-hmm. or David Silver David Silver <laughs> either way the camera yes. pans down and you can only see him and then you think what you're thinking is she's going to be gone mm-hmm. you know she she's gone but while the camera's in that position he does make a statement and she responds off camera you can't see her but she responds so you know hey she is still there mm mm-hmm. And then it comes back up, and then we see her that she has just disappeared. Right. I like that, too, because it, I think it was very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I think they actually said, you know, we're going to bring the camera down here. The audience is going to expect that she's gone already. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get one more response from her. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to come back, and she's gone. So I think that was cleverly done. They did have some really cool moments like that. when um, I forget who it was that disappeared when they were doing the, the Tarantino spin out front. Where it was like they were doing that 360 camera rotation thing around the entire cast, and then suddenly someone was gone. Hmm. Um, I think that might have been when Noah disappeared. Oh, you're right. Yes, you're right. 
Um, but it was it was very clever, and I was just. It, but while they were doing it, I was like, God damn! Did they go to the Tarantino School of Filmmaking? Yes, Be still. I know. It was just going around and around <laughs> yes. and around and around. But the effect was nice because while we were going around and around and around and around, mm-hmm. someone disappeared, mm-hmm. and um, it kept us from seeing what was happening mm-hmm. uh, too. So I, they had some some clever things direction wise going on here. Mm-hmm. Too bad it was just, you know, MacGuffin the movie. Yes. That <laughs> was, was what, you know, it just ends up, you get absolutely no payoff. Right. Now, you know, I one of the things I was thinking about, too, that I, I you know, I, again, I, there were things that I think the film, I, I could have liked the film to do more of. and But I guess, you know, thinking about some of the things I was thinking about happening, I think the film did a good job of mitigating certain things. Like, one of the things I was thinking of is, like, if I'm in the room there when the door, you know, like, I've seen somebody disappear after the refrigerator door was open and shut. You know what I mean? That's happened. So I know that something crazy is going on here. Now, my first response would be like, I'm getting out of here. I don't care if we have cars or what. I'll walk it back, you know? Um, but then, of course, we get that craziness where um, uh, Scott Farkas's friend, uh, who kind of looked like a poor man, Seth MacFarlane's, like, brother or something like that. Um, he had some kind of Seth MacFarlane-y character, uh, traits to him. Um, oh, he kind of reminded me of uh, Owen Wilson. Ah, maybe a mix of the two? Mm. Yeah. yeah, you could do it, you know. Maybe maybe both Wilson brothers and Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> if you mix them all together, it's a new Wes Anderson film. But, uh, yeah. But um, he goes off-cocked, and he actually shoots Scott Farkas, tries to escape, and then disappears in the process of escaping. Um, and so, in my mind, I think, okay, now Scott's got the gun. Things have kind of changed, and... and um, and then, my, in my head, I'm thinking, like, okay, after the whole craziness happens with Scott Farkas and Noah, and they disappear, in my head, I'm thinking, like, okay, this is when I go. This is when I get a flashlight. Um, I pack up some of this food that's nicely, you know, that's sitting here. It seems to taste pretty good. I mean, I saw a lot of apples and oranges. I'm piling some stuff up, and I'm getting on foot, and I'm going. Um, you know, the Appalachian Trail is over 2,000 miles, and people hike that every year. I can go 300 miles if I've got to. I'm going to just go. Um, but then that's when Brian Austin Green finds out that the phone is a Harley Davidson. Um, uh, they have a motorcycle phone. They have a motorcycle <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which the whole time they were looking for a phone, didn't know that, that it was this toy Harley Davidson. Um, which kind of, I don't know, for me, I think it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, people with those those, those play phones, you don't always notice it right away that it is a phone. Um, but but anyway, so so then they call 911 and find out that 911 is coming in three hours. And so I guess at that point you're going, okay, we're going to stick it out. We're not going to get out and walk. Um, but, you know, for me, there were a few points where I was just like, you got to go or you got to get out of here. Um but they seem to do a good job of finding a way to to keep us, um, keep the cast from from that being a good option, you know? Yeah, I mean, although they seemed inexplicably frightened of the outside. Yes. When, and she's like, I'm not going outside. Like, well, it doesn't seem to matter. Right. You know, you disappear outside, you disappear inside. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, what exactly is the difference? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think at that point they, you know, Farkas made the statement that you know they were never going to be allowed to leave, mm-hmm. 
and I think that they probably just believed it at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, we we can't get out of here. Right. It, it's like a it's like a legacy kind of thing. Or if, if we were to leave, and we would keep coming back, which would be kind of a cool thing if they had taken the time to do that, then mm-hmm. that would have been cool. But they didn't. Instead, they they spent time leaving Charlotte unattended yes. for uh, unexplained amounts of time. I mean, you have three people left. Mm-hmm. Your friends are disappearing left and right when you're not looking at them. Yet they're going to leave Charlotte over here in the corner in the dark by herself. I'm like, why are you leaving her over? There, there were so yes. many times when they were sitting on the floor face to face and she's over in the corner holding a candle by herself. Yes. Or they're in the kitchen and she's over in the corner. Or they're, you know, it's just even when they come to the bathroom, they have her leaning up against the bathroom door and they're both standing in there by the mirror. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Like, did you never like Charlotte? Well, they didn't know her, you know? right? Wasn't she somebody, you know, and she was, I know, but she do was you sick. Wish them, do you wish someone yeah. to to uh to disappear i guess they figured well we'll leave her out in plain sight (laughs) they'll they'll take her before they take us she's easy pickings and we don't know her so we don't care you know what it was it was the dostoevsky effect affecting (laughs) the writers the writers lost track of charlotte they you know i think they did yeah i I think at one point because i was when we were watching this Mm-hmm. At one point, I'm like, do they even realize she's still over there? They haven't even mentioned her in a while. Is she gone? And I, is she a gone? And they forgot to tell me, mm-hmm. or b did they forget she's over there? Yeah, yeah. I, I I kept forgetting. I was like, okay, she must have disappeared. Now we're back to the other two. Nope, nope. But there I she didn't is. I think that was very believable. Yeah. If you're in a situation like that, no, you're not going to let anyone out of your sight. Right, right. And I don't understand. It, it. They talked about the blinking thing, but it seemed like if you were touching somebody, you know. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't just, like, hold hands with somebody and just maintain that connection. Well, that's a good point. I mean... Also, you have to blink. Yes, you have to blink. You know? Yeah. And then if you look at them when they're... When after she said, don't blink, and then they're staring in the mirror. I didn't yes. really get why they were staring into the mirror. Yeah, I, I didn't. And what, how that's better than just looking at each other. at the other person. Yeah. I didn't get that. No. But anyway, they're looking in the mirror, and then you watch them both. And and I was just sitting here going, okay, he just blinked, he blinked, he blinked, she blinked, right. she, yes. she and her and him and her and him and her and him. And they were blinking all over the place. They were, yeah. So I, I think it's a nice idea. It's a nice title. It was nice and spooky when someone wrote it on a mirror in one of the rooms that yes. when they were looking around the place. Um, but it doesn't really mean anything. No. I mean, like that money shot at the end um, when our, our final girl – does uh you know she's she's getting saved by the police and she blinks you know or she looks down you know kind of buries her head uh in, in her in her lap um that would have been a perfect money shot for an episode of tales from the crypt um you know you think about the the tales from the crypt episode maybe you do kind of like a crane overhead shot as you're going away from the car and her and you go and you start seeing all these police cars and everything you go away and then come to the crypt keeper joke credits out, you know. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I like that, and and I think you're right. And he and in and in something like that, as an episode, it's more acceptable because mm-hmm. you frequently didn't get a neat ending. Mm-hmm. For, and I'm not saying that every film has to be tied up with a bow. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. But here, I don't really felt like I don't really feel like we got anything. Plus, I kind of feel like they were breaking their own rules yes. towards the end. Mm-hmm. Because up to that point, they were disappearing one at a time. Mm-hmm. And 
it was always when someone wasn't watching them. Mm -hmm. So in this particular instance, she's sitting alone in the police car, Mm -hmm. surrounded by tons of people. Like a dozen people are there, including some G-men who show up who apparently have some idea that something is happening. Mm -hmm. Because she's like, don't blink, and he's like, I never do. Mm -hmm. So you get the idea that they know something is going on, Mm -hmm. yet we still get nothing from them. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she dives down, she she leans over, she comes back up, and everyone is gone at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. That's not how it has been working throughout this entire film. Mm -hmm. If that was how – if it was that easy for whatever is the reason that these people are disappearing, then why not take them all at once? Yeah. It makes no sense. And are you going to tell me that with that dozen people that's standing around outside doing ambulance and cop things, that no one was talking to another person? Mm-hmm. That they were all looking off in different directions? Mm-hmm. And yet she's still there. Yeah. I don't understand. No. It, yeah, that... I, I just completely feel like they broke all of their own rules in once in like... To get a money shot. To get a money shot. That yeah, exactly. A, That's the shot they wanted. Yeah. They didn't care about how they got it. No. And again, it's it's the money shot for an episode of Tales from the Crypt because, you know, I think with the Tales from the Crypt episode, we do 20 minutes or 23 or whatever, you know, the time is. We're okay with them breaking the rules because we didn't invest a lot. And um, we're only in it for a fun time to watch uh, whoever were the guest stars that sure. week, I mean, you know. It's acceptable, and it, it is more acceptable in an episodic situation for them to just go, eh, pfft, you know, and yeah. throw, throw all logic out the window, and, and it happened all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, we were okay with that. Yeah. But in a film setting, uh, I don't think so. No, no, I agree. And yeah, and I think you're right. You know, I didn't really think that. For me, I was just, I, I was upset because I got such an unfulfilling ending, but I didn't even think of the fact that, like you were saying, they, they, not only was it unfulfilling, but they really broke all their rules to give you that ending. Yeah, I think they completely disregarded everything that they had established up to that point. Which means, if you're going to do that, then that means there are no rules. And what did I just watch? Exactly, yeah. And I think, you know, um, you know, I I gotta say, I think too, you know, I thought Brian Austin Green was pretty good, and I was okay with him and her, and um, I kind of would have liked to have seen the two of them make it, but, you know, I'm, I'm good with the final girl thing. And I, I kind of would have liked, you know, I don't know, maybe, you know, again, like they, they had to do their money shot, but, you know, maybe you get her out of there. Maybe, you know, she has to try to explain what happened or, you know, something. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of like the idea of somebody making it and not knowing why they were the ones that made it, why they were the one that made it, you know? Yeah, I think... <sighs> <laughs> I think from a narrative standpoint, there were there were a lot of different uh, there would have there would have been better ideas, mm-hmm. better ways to end it. What I feel like happened, I think they didn't know how to end it. Mm-hmm. I think they had what they thought was a good idea mm-hmm. for the meat of a film, and I agree. I think it was, mm-hmm. and they had some clever moments where people would disappear, and I liked that. I thought it was nice and suspenseful. You never knew for sure who was going to be going next and who mm-hmm. like when they were playing poker and yes. the, and the guy d- you know ducked down behind the bar and then i mean always right before it happened you get the sense that it was going to happen mm-hmm. yet even then it was still pulled off in a way that was successful enough that i was okay with it and i thought well this is pretty good mm-hmm. 
But I think what happened is they didn't know how to end it. Yeah. I think they didn't have an idea about how to end it. So he said, well, I know. We're going to get this really great moment mm-hmm. where everyone goes. But if he'd stopped to think about it for just a few minutes, mm-hmm. like maybe I feel like I'm putting more time into this film than he did. Mm-hmm. Because if he had stopped to think about it for just a few minutes, he probably would have thought that doesn't really make any sense mm-hmm. <laughs> when you look at that compared to the rest of the film that everyone right. just watched. Yeah. Because if it were that simple, then why bother taking them one by one? Yeah. Just take them all at once. Yeah. I, yeah, so I agree. I, you know, it, unless because you know you have an audience watching and you're trying to scare people. That's the only reason to do it one at a time. Um, you're making a because movie. Yes. <laughs> That's why. Well, you know, that I, – I, that some you know speaking about trying to scare the audience that actually brings up another thing that I was thinking about is um you know movie like this right this was direct to video um people are probably only going to see it on Netflix um instant uh maybe only on their computer um or if it's e- yeah they made it to Redbox but if it did then yeah yeah TV something like that and at the very beginning, they were doing a lot of, you know, the startling maneuver. You know, um, somebody's just kind of, rel- you know, doing nothing, and all of a sudden somebody grabs them. Uh, mm-hmm. And, th- you know, for me, I feel like that only really works well in the theater. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that technique, the startling technique? I think it only works well when you have a solid scare that, that backs it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a difference to me between having something just go out, jump out, and go, boo, mm-hmm. you know, Versus something jumping out and going boo and there being something really horrible attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's effective. Then it works. Um, like, for instance, I just went to see The Woman in Black 2 mm-hmm. last week. And that is Jump Scare the Movie. Mm-hmm. That's how Brian refers to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Jump Scare the Movie. Mm-hmm. Because that's really all it had going for it. And but none of them were effective. Right. Not one. Not one. Not one time did either of us even flinch while watching that film. I can't speak for the rest of the audience because we were the only two in the theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. One um, of those deals. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what happens when you release a horror movie in January. You know, it, yes. Yeah. Um, mm. But it didn't work. Not at all. Mm-hmm. You know, not even in the least, not even a little bit like not like oh my god they got me mm-hmm. you know it just didn't work so i don't think necessarily even being in the theater makes a difference if if this this scare is not solid i think if the scare is solid it's going to work mm-hmm. where no matter where you are you know but uh, there's also i think what more likely it is is that people don't really know how to do it yeah you know they just think oh cat jumping out Loud noise, a musical sting, mm-hmm. someone screaming—you know, long face ghost picture. Yes. You know? yes. Um, and those don't equal scare. Yeah. You know, they equal jump, and if you're lucky, you know, you, you can't even always count on getting a jump out of those. You, it's just—it's cheap, mm-hmm. is what it is. You know, it's just we can't think of any good way to scare you, so we're gonna try to just jar you to death, and it does—it doesn't always work, and especially when you. When you're seasoned, when you've seen a lot of these things, and you know when they're coming, mm-hmm. that makes it even worse. Yeah. But like a good solid one, like for instance, everyone loves to talk about how they hate M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I get it. You know, 
everyone's tired of all his twists. You know, I understand. <laughs> yes. But every time I go back to watch The Sixth Sense, those scares work mm -hmm. every single time. And it's because of timing. You know, like I know when Haley Joel Osment goes to the bathroom in the middle of the night and he's standing in the bathroom and suddenly you see his breath and then you see the temperature control the thermostat and you see the, the temperature drop. I know that right at that moment, there's going to be a ghost walking past the bathroom door. Mm -hmm. The thing is, he puts it a beat past where you would expect it to be. Mm -hmm. It's just slightly off. Mm -hmm. So you know it's coming. And I've seen that movie a dozen times. I know it's coming. Yeah. My brain even thinks it knows when it's coming. Mm -hmm. But Shyamalan was so good at timing that he just he he went for as long as it would take for you to expect it to be there and then he would go just a half a beat further mm -hmm. because then that throws you off yeah. so that's successful especially because it works on repeated viewings yeah you know it never doesn't work for me so um it's it's something that you have to carefully craft you can't just throw a cat at someone and expect <laughs> it to scare them it's yes. just um and when you do it's cheap mm -hmm. you know so i think that that's what I've, that's how I see the the jump scares that were in this film. Um, I love how I just used finger quotes, and I'm on a podcast. <laughs> no one can see my finger quotes. But you, yeah, quote, yeah. <laughs> what, But the problem is you, you have to do them. I, I, I know from teaching English online to people who can't see me speaking English, um, your, your speech just suddenly becomes completely unnatural if you don't do the hand motion. So I am constantly <laughs> doing hand motions while we're talking. I'm like, right now I did kind of the surrounding, you know, I've done, you know, when we talk about something that's all-encompassing, I'll do the hand, you know, almost like the parentheses symbol or something. I don't know what that is, or heart or whatever with your hands where you kind of start, oh, make a circle. About. Yes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm always doing that kind of thing too when I'm talking. It makes your speech natural. If You, you got to have the, but... um. But but it's good that you brought up afterwards that you did do air quotes. So you know, so yeah. I did air quotes when I said jump scare. Jump scare. You know, it also tells me. I guess what happens is when you're when you're speaking, you have this natural pause before and after the word that you're mm -hmm. putting in quotations. You know, for the jump scares in that movie. Um, yes. <laughs> so it sort of helps me. Um, it helps me put the emphasis on the correct syllables. The correct syllables, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe that's a good a good uh, point to uh, to kind of uh, wrap up our conversation on the film on here. Uh, so overall, Jamie, what do you think um, as far as a Netflix viewing? What would you what would you give this? You know, I think I'd still give it a three, mm -hmm. um, which is just a uh, cross. Yeah, it's just a liked it. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to give it more than that. I wanted to really like it more, but unfortunately, by the time we got to the end, I just am sat wondering why mm -hmm. why did i spend all this time to get nothing out yeah. of it and so it's a disappointment however i do think that there were some the makings of a good filmmaker here mm -hmm. and i think that they do have an understanding of a lot of the things that it takes to make make a successful horror film mm -hmm. um i just think that ending is not one of them yeah i, I think a movie has three parts and you know this movie had a good middle. It did not have a good beginning or a good end for me. And um, right. ultimately, yeah, you know, um, I did like the novelty of Brian Austin Green. I almost, on some levels, I almost thought it was a more of a novelty than seeing Ian Ziering in sh the Sharknado films. I don't know about you. 
I definitely liked it. I think he did a pretty decent dramatic turn here. Mm-hmm. It was nice. And I also find interesting, too, that puts him more in... That puts this group of char- And the use of Mina Savari puts this group of characters closer to our age group mm-hmm. than, say, the, you know, 18-year-olds that are typically running around in horror films. <laughs> yes, I know. These are... These are a, and if they were supposed to be your typical 18-year-old, 20-year-olds, whatever, then they failed. Yes. Um, <laughs> but... Um, if they're supposed to be the, the age that they actually are, I kind of like that because mm-hmm. this is a you know a more adult, uh, a, a version of adults doing things in a horror film, which is nice to see because you know usually it's the teenagers who have all the fun. Yeah, I mean this was an adult vacation, and you know I think on, you know I mean there were some younger people in the in the film, but uh, but definitely you're right. Brian Austin Green, Mina Savari, Scott Farkas, they were all. Uh, you know, just a little bit older, and uh, just enough to, you know, like you said, put it out of the teen range, and uh, you know, have them more our age, which I, I, I agree, I, I kind of like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So I guess, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm saying, you know, maybe the novelty, but I, I don't think the novelty is enough. I think it's just too slow. Um, I, you know, there's, there's probably some other Brian Austin Green flicks out there. I know I reviewed one for my blog that I did not enjoy. Um, I can't remember the name of it now, which is horrible. Um, I should have like actually written that down before I even came here. I came unprepared for the podcast tonight to talk about. That. Well, if you aren't going to recommend it, which it doesn't sound like you would. No, so you probably don't need to know it. Yeah, you don't need to know it. So, <laughs> all right. So, so don't blink. We're both uh, we're giving it kind of a, a liked it or or don't liked it. And um, for our, our Australian viewers out there, I think it's released as don't blink. So if you're <laughs> <laughs> so so here in America, it's don't blink. There, it's don't blink. So. So, all right. Well, so, so Jamie, um, how about any, uh, well, we've got a little time left. What about projects that you've got working on? Anything new? Well, yes. Um, we, on the Skeleton Crew, we're working on Horror 101, and that should be coming out on the, the 1st, February 1st, mm-hmm. at Horrorphilia. We're basically, we're doing a rundown of horror cinema from, I know it's very quick and dirty. You know, we're not writing a book on this, you know, (laughs) but we're just doing a basic rundown of trends in horror. And I think I talked about this last week that it was coming up. But um, so that's kind of fun. We're halfway done with that. We're going to be recording the next half um, in the next couple days. And then that will be available February 1st. So that was a fun. That's been a fun discussion so far. Mm -hmm. We're still continuing our Friday retro on Devour. We're finally getting to the point we're going to be recording about uh, Friday the 13th Part 7 tonight. Oh, nice. Oh, one of my faves. Yeah, I love that one. And John Cross is joining us for that discussion. Oh, speak of the devil. Right. So that'll be fun. And then... Uh, usual evil episode stuff. We're going to be our, on the next episode of Evil Episodes. We're going to be discussing the. Um, there was a, I believe it was a foreign show called Darknet mm-hmm. that is available on Netflix, and um, I haven't watched it yet. But we're going to be talking about the first season of that. The entire thing is available on Netflix. So if anybody wants to check that out, and then tune into our discussion on Evil Episodes, um, we'll probably be recording that sometime next week. And that's about it for me. Oh, now just to make sure. Everything except for evil episodes can be found on Horophilia, and then evil episodes is Legion podcast. Um, no, everything except for Devour can be found on Horophilia. Oh, okay. 
Legion Podcast. Devour Legion. Okay, I have my notes Devour, around here. Uh, Devour the podcast is legionpodcast.com. Okay. Now, and I noticed you, you, you weren't able to get in a, uh, a playlist this week. No, you know what's funny? I keep, I, I keep forgetting. It keeps slipping up on me. I keep planning to. And then by the time I realize it, uh, it's too late for me to get the show together. And I'm like, damn it. So um, I've just been very, but I've been very wrapped up in other things, really. And it just keeps slipping by. The intent is to do it. I do plan to continue doing that show. Um, it's just right now it's very sporadic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think with all of the uh, the podcasting that you do, it's not, you know, I mean, it's definitely understandable if there's, you know, especially with the move and everything and the holidays, it is understandable that, you know, there's definitely going to be one that doesn't, you know, doesn't quite make it. And um, one thing I like about ours is we kind of keep it very, uh, you know, little prep, little little editing. We just kind of do it and throw it out there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know? Plus, it's um, it's sort of set in stone, the time and the mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's, it doesn't get pushed around and moved around and rescheduled and all of these things. So it's, um, it's very stable. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about that, too. It's kind of like we... We schedule this time every week to do our recording, and it just happens to be live uh, while we're recording for all of the everybody else that listens to it after. It's kind of a cool setup. Yeah, and we have live tech support while we're doing it. Exactly. In the form of Brian. Yes, which actually works out really well. That has worked out well in the past. That has saved us, I think, on a few. Um, you know, there have been some other ones where it's been after the fact, where I think um, the way Mixler records it, something about it comes out different. But um, but at least at the time we know okay, so and so's mic we can't hear so and so, and that that definitely helps to you know not do an hour podcast and then listen to it after and be like oh I'm talking to myself here you know um, I'm, I'm having a great conversation with myself here for some reason Jamie's mic didn't pick up you know yeah now for me um I have somehow made it successfully two weeks in a row with a blog post um I put up Sharknado two. On Monday. So speaking of 90210 alumni, uh, we've got Mr. Uh, Ian Deering and Sharknado 2. So I got that one up and posted. Um, so we'll see what happens next week. I'm I'm debating what my next one was going to be. I was thinking about doing uh, In the Name of the King 3, which is one I did as a solo podcast while you were moving. Um, I might write that one. I was trying to think of other ones we've done. I guess The Frozen Ground is one that definitely needs a review. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Nicholas Cage, John Cusack, um, you know, always always good to get those guys up on the direct video connoisseur as well. Yeah, I would definitely say do one on that. Yeah, so maybe that'll be our, our the, the Monday one. So I'm trying to do it every Monday. I seem to have a good um, couple hours free in the mornings on Mondays now. So I'm going to try to get through. Um, I, won't, I won't be able to catch up, I don't think, to uh, our, our podcast. So I'll always probably be like a few... Uh, podcast episodes to get ahead, but I want to try to review what we've talked about on the show, you know, kind of get them out there. So it's kind of a, you know, another outlet so people can kind of go back and listen to some of the ones we did before. Well, don't, don't forget Legendary. I know. Oh, I know. That that one seems to be like a, you know, you got to do it, Matt, you know, you got to, got to take care of it. It's a Dolph Lundgren movie. It, you know, it probably is one that I should do. I'm going to put it off at least one more week. Why don't we do that? Oh, man. And I, I saw Dolph has some more coming out soon here, so we're going to have to, I guess, 
figure out if we want to dip back into that Dolph pool again or take some more time off from it. Guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, Jamie, I think I think that just about covers everything tonight. Um, so again, I want to thank everyone for listening and uh, check us out next week when we come back. Uh, we we're not sure what we're gonna see next week. We're just you know, as we said earlier in the podcast, we're flying by the seat of our pants here. Yep, the only way to fly. <laughs> the only way to but fly. We will be touching down same time, same day next week that's right we'll be like uh, that's right robert hayes landing the plane (laughs) (laughs) oh hell that's right (laughs) all right good night everybody him as John Cross from the podcast from the After Movie Diner, or you may not know him at all, but now you can know him as Miscellaneous Plumbing Fixtures with the release of his new album, Catch Up or Don't See If I Care, available now on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever music is found. A full 16 new folk, blues, and rock tracks from this bearded singer-songwriter. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and at aftermoviediner.com. For links to the album and to learn more, go to miskplumbingfixtures.blogspot.com or miskplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.